A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Back to the EPL Roundtable. I'm your host, Kevin DeVries, and as always, if you'd like to reach us at the podcast, you can do so by either tweeting us at EPL Roundtable or emailing us at EPLRoundtable at gmail.com. Alright, and now we have another club update, this time talking all things Manchester City with Richard Burns, who you may know from the Blue Moon Podcast or Yahoo Sports. Richard, not the most exciting week for Manchester City, probably the, the most trials you've faced since Pep Guardiola has joined the club, the draw midweek against Celtic. The loss against Tottenham, which uh, I will try to not harp on too much. Uh, <laughs> but just as an overarching thing, how did you see those matches uh, transpiring? And, and what do you think has caused you to hit this little blip? Um, well, you are right. It clearly is the most trying week we've had so far. Because it's the only week in which we've not won all the games we've played. So um, <laughs> that that is trying at the moment. Um, the Celtic game, I didn't see coming. I didn't see that result coming. I thought we would. Uh, I thought we would win that game. Um, obviously, ended in a three-all draw. City being behind three times, having not fallen behind in a game at all prior to that point this season. Um, and I think Celtic did something that nobody else has been able to do or, or had been able to do up until that point. Um, when they got the early set piece. And they exploited City's high defensive line by getting the ball wide and in behind it, and then getting it across the box for a tapping. Uh, and we know that the goal was like like a millimetre offside, which is fine. You can't really blame a linesman for that. Um, it's just them's the breaks sometimes. Um, but nobody else had worked it out. Nobody else had worked out how to deal with our, our how to breach our high line. Um, and from that moment, with it being so early in the game, uh, and with the crowd being so behind Celtic. Um, City looked rattled and they didn't. They, they went on to play the occasion and not their own game throughout. And it was um, it was pretty frustrating to watch, but at times uh, I would say understandable. I would give them the leeway of, of losing the heads is a bit strong, but of, um, maybe forgetting themselves. Because whilst I would never say that City, with the level of footballs that they have and the experience in that team, I would never say they were affected by the crowd. It is true that at Celtic Park on a European night, with these games being so few and far between for them, um, they are boosted by that crowd and they were in City's faces. And you can see why that would give the players the extra 5%, especially having scored early. And so then City obviously had to go and try and equalise pretty quickly, which they managed. And then they continued to try and fight fire with fire. And as Celtic were in City's faces, City tried to be aggressive back, when actually they could have afforded even five, ten minutes, because it was still early in the game, five, ten minutes of sitting off a little bit and trying to keep possession. And I know it's all well and good for me to sit here and say that, and it's a different thing when you're on the pitch and you've got, you know, ten players uh, who are all in your faces and pressing intensely and uh, with more verve than you could reasonably have expected from scouting them um, or anything like that. They must have took City by surprise a little bit. But the intelligence and the problem solving that has uh, been apparent in the, the first 10 games, uh, 11 games of the season, suddenly fell by the wayside. Fortunately, City are a good enough team that when they go hell for leather, 
they can attack and they can score goals. So each team, each time we fell behind, it never felt like a killer blow. It never felt like we couldn't get back into the game. And in the end, our worst result of the season up to that point ended up being a three-all draw away from home in the Champions League in an outrageously entertaining fixture. So it didn't feel like that big a problem, but you could see how Celtic had then set a blueprint for how other teams are going to try and play against us this season. And they had an exceptional night. Um, and City were the makers of their own downfall at times. The the second goal was uh, Fernandinho was guilty of diving in in the midfield and then Zabaleta got sucked into the centre of defence, um, leaving the left-back uh, Tierney, leaving him free. Um, so there was a, a few errors, but that's fine. They, they will come and that this is where Guardiola will earn his money because he's a, he's a problem solver. He... He's a great tactician, he's a very intelligent manager and he has to work out how to play against this now because it's quite different to anything he's really come up against before. Um, what I think transpired in that game was that we could have done with an extra midfielder because the way Sterling's playing at the moment, you can trust him to bomb forward and with him and Aguero, between the two of them, they would be good enough to wait for everybody else to catch up or to sort of do things between themselves um, whilst we sort of had an extra anchor in the midfield to help slow things down, to give us that extra man in midfield. Moving on to the Tottenham game, I think that's why uh, Gundogan or Gundogan or Gundogan or whatever <laughs> or pronunciation... Gungans from the bad yeah. Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> um, whichever pronunciation is in vogue at the moment. Um, I think that's why he was taken out of the team and Fernando brought in because Gundogan has been playing quite forward and a bit more forward than, than I was expecting, to be honest. Um, almost like a like a second number 10. Um, and so I think that's why Fernando came in, because Tottenham were obviously going to press us. I remember saying this before uh, the game at the Etihad last season, that Tottenham and Liverpool are the two teams most set up to hurt City and play on our weaknesses. And some of those weaknesses are still there. And so where some of the, um, I use this phrase loosely, but the smaller teams uh, in the division, when they come to City, if they want to press us, they're having to raise their game and it's they're not playing their natural game. It's something different for them. It wasn't for Tottenham. We were walking into almost into like the, the perfect storm because Tottenham naturally play in a way that could hurt City. And they just have evidence three days, four days before that City was still vulnerable to that style of play. So it must have, if there was any doubts in their mind about how to um, play that game, the Celtic game must have evaporated them completely. Um, and so what transpired was that having Fernandinho as the extra midfielder didn't really make any... Uh, sorry, did I say Fernandinho? Mm. Uh, Fernando. What an amateur mistake. <laughs> having Fernando was the... Extra... How silly of you to confuse the players whose first seven letters of their names are the same. <laughs> <laughs> um, but significantly different in quality of their football. Um, yeah, having Fernando as the, the extra midfielder didn't really make a difference because he's not good enough to, um, to deal with what Tottenham did. Um, I also think, and shock horror, as I suggest for the first time, that maybe Pep Guardiola isn't completely um, perfect and does sometimes make mistakes. I think he got the fullback choices wrong because Kolarov has been a revelation this season, but that's been at centre-back. And that doesn't mean that because he's been a revelation playing against teams who don't really try to hurt us and that he can ping the ball 60 yards and that he can push out and lead a team that way, doesn't mean that he's suddenly a brilliant defensively minded defender because he's not and he never has been and he never will be. So putting him at fullback 
against a team that would play with pace and attack us wasn't really the smartest move when Gael Clichy is uh, more suited to that game. And Zavaleta, who will, again, he will be fine in games against teams that don't come at us with pace, but Danny Rose skinned him all game and it is quite clear that injuries and you know, old father time have, have caught up with Zabaleta. And that is not in any way a criticism because he is a human who is subject to the things that happen to humans as they get older and they recover from injuries and do that slower and slower. Um, but unfortunately, I think his race as a top-level fullback is run, whereas Bakary Sanya has proven over the last year or so that his isn't. So I think he would have been a more sensible option. And again, I mean, Tottenham... It, obviously, I'm going to look at this from the City point of view, but it must be said, Tottenham were exceptional. I mean, they, they were they pressed so well. I couldn't believe that they could keep it up all game. Um, the way that they stopped City getting the ball wide, which is where we've hurt so many teams this season, which is why Sterling's been so good, because we've let him just go back to his his classic game of being direct and getting to the byline um, or running through the middle. Tottenham stopped that happening. They stopped us getting it wide and then pressed City to death in the middle and City couldn't handle it. So whilst it would be easy for me to sit here and criticise City and I can say that there were elements of the team selection that I didn't think were right, uh, that Tottenham team would have beaten most teams that had come up against on that day because they they played their game to... You may you may have something to offer to this that, that counteracts it, but I would say even to a level above how they normally implement it. And I say that as a, a big admirer of Pochettino and Spurs. Um, but they they raised it for the occasion as well. Um, so no complaints with the result. And we've made it 13 games into the season before we suffered a loss. And it came against a very good team. And now this is where Guardiola earns his money. And he said a few times, and I, you know, I don't think it was said as a throwaway comment or facetiously, that first defeat will do City a lot of good because it's a little um, it's a little pin in the the bubble of expectation now. It's you know deflated deflated things a little bit. No longer are people saying stupid things like we could go the season unbeaten, which was never going to happen because history proves that it very rarely happens, no matter how good a team is. Um, we were never going to win, a, uh, we're not going to win a quadruple, and now teams are seeing that we can be beaten. And in the long run, working that out and seeing how Guardiola deals with a pressing game can only be good for him. Um, it's going to be uncomfortable for a while while teams try to exploit that. But most teams, uh, I would say, to be honest at the moment, 17 other teams in the league aren't as good as Tottenham or City. Um, and I would say only Liverpool really are. So there's so much to learn from it. And we probably won't get a true idea of what we've learned from it until we play Liverpool on New Year's Eve because they will be the next team that really tests us in that way. Do you love anime, gaming, movies, and discovering how your favorite pop culture affects everything you do? Then join us on Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. Every week you can listen in while we break down the latest pop culture news and dish on what new releases we can't get enough of. Whether you love movies, I'm going to tell you all about the uh, hopeful 4K re-release of Tron Legacy that happens. <laughs> I'm right there with you. Or music. The music in this show yeah. is absolutely yeah. incredible. Or anime. Yeah, and under this sure. mask is another mask. <laughs> you can discover your new favorites right here on The Anime Effect. Listen every Friday, wherever you get your podcast, and watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or on the Crunchyroll YouTube channel. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Yeah, I think you, you obviously made some excellent points in there and, and some very astute ones about a club that you don't follow in, in Tottenham. Uh, I think there was a double benefit for Tottenham here. First of all, uh, we had won our last three matches against you. So this this pressing thing that we've done against you is not as sudden as some of the papers have claimed, saying that we learned it from Rodgers as if we haven't been doing this <laughs> since Pochettino showed up at the club. Um, but also, Pochettino has a familiarity with Guardiola that few other managers in the Premier League do, uh, going back to their time in Spain. So there was also an awareness of what Pep would likely try to do, as well as us doing something that innately works well against your squad. And I think, despite these recent successes we've had against you, a lot of it was almost tempered because we lacked genuine pace. This is the paciest side Tottenham have put out since Bale left, easily. Having Son and Sissoko and Ali, and then having the, the class of Ericsson and Lamella up front, and in this kind of muddled attack where you never really know where the attack point was coming from because you don't have a Harry Kane that's just going to plow through the middle and you know what to expect and you can, mm. you know, deal with it or not. The fact that they were all rotating. Son was the quote-unquote forward, but many times Lamella bombed in front of him. Many times we saw Ali bombing in front of him. Um, and I think that really unsettled uh, not just your wingbacks, who I agree, are just aging and you needed to deal with that. And, and I've talked to a couple of friends of mine recently about how... If you had come in for Danny Rose last season, you probably could have gotten him, which would have helped you with the England thing, the pace thing. And the problem with that, though, was that he was unproven. Last year is when he proved it. So probably wouldn't have been loads of interest from a club your size at the time. But uh, that's kind of what you need is pace on those wings. And Zabaleta was passed by a lot. He did make some very intuitive plays. There were a couple of balls that we tried to play through down the left that he just curled around and cut off. Which you know shows the footballing brain is still absolutely there. He's still a, yeah. a phenomenal uh, mind in football, but yeah, the body kind of letting him down a little bit, especially like I said against so much pace. Um, and I, I honestly, when I first saw these lineups, I was worried that you guys were going to control the midfield, but then we just kind of bypassed it on the whole. Wanyama just held everything up and then just was was displaying displaying what distributing yeah. the ball to somebody that would then move it on quickly because. Having Ali, this is why it was so crazy, is because Ali was quote-unquote supposed to play next to Wanyama, and Son was quote-unquote a forward. But really, we had four or five players that were all just mixed in that last stage of the pitch, which I, would have been terrifying. You know, John Stowe is still a young defender, doesn't fully have the mental aspect of the game behind him yet. Odomendi is not the most confident player at the moment. I, I just think it was a, kind of a perfect storm against you. And even though we do have success and Posh has that familiarity... I feel like, as you mentioned, this one seemed like a perfect combination of things that led to this result. Um, but not to uh, get too carried away with myself. And we were missing Kanan Dembele, but you were missing Kevin De Bruyne, who has, you know, I think you mentioned in a previous update, has reached another level that maybe we didn't know was still there, considering how good he was last season. No De Bruyne. And I've, I've noticed something, and I want to get your take on it. I'm just going to give you a couple of things that I've noticed. And let you opinionize from there. 
It seems okay. to me that Kevin De Bruyne has played his best games when Aguero wasn't there, but not vice versa. That Aguero still kind of needs the creativity of De Bruyne to be at his best. Is there anything there? I know this is a very small sample size, so it could just kind of be a false reading, or I could just be wrong. But that's kind of been my impression thus far this season. Um, I, I would say that you are, I mean, in terms of being right about he has played his best games when Aguero wasn't there, I, I think that is sort of undeniably true. His best games were uh, against United and Bournemouth, although he was also exceptional in the Munch and Gladbach game in between, and Aguero did play that one because his ban obviously doesn't carry over into yeah. the order that he had. Um, and De Bruyne was very, very good in that game. Um, but I, I, t- I take your point. I'm not convinced that um, there is a huge amount of, uh, not relevance, but that, they, that the two are directly linked. Um, because I think one of the things that De Bruyne did so well in, in those two games, and particularly the Bournemouth game, where he was, I mean, he put in as good an individual performance as I've seen in a City shirt in years. I mean, he ran that game. It was a solid 10 out of 10 performance. One of the things that he did so well was break from the back. His, his involvement in the counter-attacking was superb and if you take what happened on those counter-attacks where Sterling and Ian Acho broke wide of him every time and then he had the two of them to pick the ball from and, and Bournemouth were falling over themselves trying to work out where the ball was going to go um, I think Aguero would have been would have been making similar runs to what Ian Acho was making so the three that that trio still would have been attacking in the same way um, because I think that was tactically Tactically, that was tactically how we set up to play that game. So I think Aguero would have done the same kind of thing anyway. Um, Aguero, he, do, he I mean, he does need some creativity, but he's pretty capable of creating things for himself. He does need support around him so that he's not always got his back to goal because you do lose something from him in that way, I suppose. But he is a player who can do something out of nothing as well. Um, I don't know. I don't know if I see De Bruyne being hampered by him, it's a it's an interesting question, um, and it is definitely something I'll look out for when De Bruyne is back, um, and maybe I could talk to you again about it in future as to whether it's something that is coming to pass. Um, but I think you you mentioned in the question that maybe it was too small a sample size at the moment, and I, I would say it probably is to give a a clear and a definitive answer. All right, well, fair enough, and yeah, we we should definitely follow up on that in the future, and just make sure this isn't a weird Alexis Giroud thing where it's what two years on in that project, and it's, mm-hmm. there are still struggles there. Um, all right, uh, a couple of quick points. Uh, Yaya Toure, th- this was like big news like two weeks ago. There was this huge public falling out between the two of them, and then everything's gone quiet at least in the national media since then. Is there any resolution to that? Is Yaya Torre just done at Manchester City, or is there some way he can earn his way back into the team? No, I think he is done. Um, I have a, a couple of points on this. Right, I think that, one, it is great to have a manager who is clear and decisive um, and is quite open with the media. I think that's really good. That is forgetting whether he is right or wrong to say that Yaya can't play because of the actions of his agent. Um, but it is good to have a manager who has been clear in that because everybody knows what has to happen for it to be a resolution. Um, Dimitri Shellock has to make an apology, but being the incongruous idiot, I was going to say something worse, but being the incongruous idiot that he is, he just came out and made things worse by um, slagging off Guardiola's record, which is um, pretty incredible uh, for a man who's won 21 trophies in seven years to um, say 
using less nice words that he's a, a rubbish manager. Strange reaction. It hints at a Donald Trump-like um, narcissism <laughs> that he can't be criticised without sort of just throwing the toys out the pram. It's weird. The problem is um, that his actions obviously have a direct result on Yaya Torre. And, um, I mean, it's killing his legacy. That's the unfortunate fact of it with what will go hand in hand in future when people speak of Yaya Torre and it will take years for this to start happening is they will remember these actions, they will remember Birthday Cake Gate, they will remember the every summer of um, his agent saying that he could leave. Um, so to speak of City humiliating Yaya Torre was ridiculous from, uh, from Shellock. And the only thing I wonder is whether Guardiola would have made such a power play with a player that he had more interest in playing. If this had been Aguero's agent or De Bruyne's agent, would um, would would Guardiola have made such a big statement about they can't play again? I'm not so sure. But um, the, the truth is we'll never know. And they are players who behave themselves. And you can't divorce the fact, you know, if you, if you can't divorce the fact that Yaya Torre is enthralled to his agent. His agent works for him, not the other way around. And so by default, if Yaya wasn't happy with him and wanted to play, he could make that happen. He could either dismiss his agent, but um, they're very close to the point that I'm pretty sure Yaya named one of his children after his agent. So, oh, wow. yeah, I, I think um, I think there is a resolution by there not being a resolution. Yaya Torre won't play for City again. Fair enough. All right, well, thank you for all this information. Uh, if you would like to tell the folks where they could reach you, now would be a good time. Yes, I am a, a member of the Blue Moon podcast which is released every Friday, um, a specific dedicated Manchester City podcast. Um, and I write for Yahoo Sport UK. And recently, uh, the blog that I occasionally contribute to, uh, typicalcity.org, uh, released a ebook that is available on uh, Amazon for your Kindle or on the free Amazon app. Um, it's called Halcyon Digest. And it's got a variety of uh, contributors where we look back at a home and away game against every Premier League opponent City have ever played. So there's plenty to sink your teeth into. And by no means does it have to be read in any particular order. So if you want to get that, it's Halcyon Digest by Typical City. And you can find it on, on Amazon. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Richard. And hope you have a great one. Cheers, Kev. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.